0: Welcome back everyone to episode 13 of the Valkyrie cast a podcast about movie TV and video games. I'm your host Drew We are so glad you're here and I have both my co-hosts here with me uh, The first one has just learned how to use mercy in overwatch. It is Matt
1: it's true, I never used her and then we've discovered the joy of using Farah and Mercy it's in a true. game
0: Yeah, we, we dominated some last night And then my yeah. other co-host, the man the myth, the legend, the man who's constantly at war with his Jeep Wrangler Tommy
2: That would be me
1: it's not, That's a, such an understatement
0: It's true, <laughs> it's so true. For, for <laughs> listeners who don't know Tommy personally he may have the worst luck when it comes to vehicles of anyone you've ever met
2: no, or just tech- worse luck, period. Like, I mean...
1: <laughs> it's true. I can vouch for that.
0: Awesome. We have a great episode lined up for everyone, but before we dive in, we've got a few news points. Uh, the first one we have is actually a game that kind of goes with what we talked last week. We just finished an episode about retro gaming this past week, which is a lot of fun, by the way. I I love old school games. Uh, but oh, But yeah. since... Uh, I guess... Was it last week? Did it launch? Or was it before or th- after? Yeah, did I we just miss it? it-
1: yeah, it just launched this last week. I knew it was coming out, but I didn't realize it was so close to coming out um to our retro episode, but it it has been out for about a week now and it has been getting fantastic reviews, like really, really good reviews.
0: And what you may ask are we talking about? We are talking about a new Sonic game called Sonic Mania. And the fact that you just said that, Matt, that it's getting great reviews is good because I can't tell you the last time a Sonic game came out that people weren't just like, shaking their heads at, like, this is not good.
1: I think it was Sonic we Adventure 2. we were
0: 12. <laughs> we <Yeah>. were 12. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I remember liking the one that came out after, after Sonic Adventure 2. It was, um... Gosh, I can't remember what it was called, but you played as, like, three characters, so you you played Team Sonic and oh, you had yeah. Knuckles as yeah, I remember that. And it, it was actually pretty fun. I enjoyed it. It wasn't but great. But then they but did that
0: funny. Shadow the Hedgehog game, which was like Shadow with like guns. And I felt like that's like the yeah. point everything started falling apart. Didn't you have yeah. that game?
1: Yeah, I did. No shame. It, it was kind of <laughs> weird. But, you know.
0: Well, I think. Uh, I also think Sonic at some point kissed a girl, like a human girl at some point. That was a thing. Yeah, that, like that was that in that
1: the Sonic the Hedgehog that came out on the last-gen consoles, and it's, yeah. it, I think that was the point where everything just started going downhill from there. and. Uh, well, really the cool sad.
0: thing about this game is that there were a few um, developers and modders and and folks that were basically redoing old Sonic games into, uh, I guess, HD versions of them, re- just modernized versions of them. Uh, it's kind of just a passion project, and Sega actually hired them on with the team that developed this, team, uh, this game. So it's very much old school even from like i saw the load screen like the load screen earlier today and it just it screams old school sonic but in a mm-hmm. really good way
1: mm-hmm. it's like a true love letter to sonic fans and i've heard somebody say it's the best sonic game that sega never made <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but like so i'm re- i think i'm gonna get it on the switch because i just feel like it would be amazing on the switch but so it's what they did is they took a lot of the classic levels like green hill zone the original zone from the first Zelda or first sonic game and like revamped it and like brought the graphics up and did some things but then they've made a, a bunch of like new levels that apparently are amazing so like it's got all the best parts of the classic sonic games that everybody loves just brought to um the modern you know technology i saw one thing review about it where they said sonic just moves a little faster jumps a little higher looks And just looks a little... Everything's just touched up a lot from, like, the past. And, like, I'm really looking forward to playing it. Um, I was going to buy it this weekend and try to play it before the podcast, but I just didn't get a chance to to get my Nintendo Switch running to download it. So,
2: Well, I'm thinking about it, too. Last week uh, with the Retro Podcast, I had brought up a game for the Switch that I could not remember the name of it. Uh, I was thus informed throughout the week and failed to put it on Facebook. For those who are interested and know what I'm talking about, uh, if you have the Switch, go check out a game called Shovel Knight. Oh,
1: Shovel Knight. Oh, yeah. I don't know I if that great was a good thing to remember. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Shovel Knight, too. hmm Well, then, awesome. I, our next point, I am giddy about like i cannot put into words how excited i am for this next bit of news Um, rumors have come out that they're in talks of a director for another star wars movie this is going to be the next anthology film and the rumors seem to be pointing to the fact that they're doing an obi-wan kenobi movie now anybody who knows me or has ever talked to me in person about star wars knows that ever since they announced the anthology films i have been saying since day one that i want an obi-wan kenobi movie i i liked rogue one i was excited I for rogue we all one. do we yes yeah. true but like for me i and i'll see it because it's star wars but i still at this point don't really care about this han solo movie i i I'm, wish i could but i just don't care and i'll see it and i will hope it's good but like this is the movie i want to see and so for it, it there's still very little information about it but um there's talks about directors to do it and um usually when that happens when directors get added onto like films and stuff like this is usually when it seems like it's for sure gonna happen so
0: now Ian mcgregor is coming back right like if he isn't are you not gonna see it because i'd be a little upset because he loves that no i'd role, still see like it you.
1: but i would but well, here's the thing with Ian mcgregor he has said over and over again ever since the prequels finished that he loves the role and that he wants to come back for it and they've worked with him before since then and so nothing has been mentioned to that but i would be like shocked if they didn't bring him back and i think he would be devastated and really disappointed um he because he like even people who don't like the prequels usually are the people that when you talk about Obi Wan kenobi they go yeah okay that part was really good he was really good
0: yeah he was like the part that was consistently good through all of them, I felt mm-hmm. like.
2: I concur.
1: So, with this news well, though, there. do you think. <laughs> I'm loved. You saying that there's there's been stuff on Facebook popping up of people being like, the leaked leak title of the Obi Wan Kenobi movie and the two I've seen was like his face, <laughs> and one said, hello there, and then the other said, <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi, the, I high saw that same thing. the high ground. The high ground. But like. So I'm curious since this news has come up like what do y'all think what would you like to see for this movie for me I think I want to see what he's dealing with after episode three and before episode four there's a lot of time that we can see him dealing with everything that happened and how that like affects him mentally and physically and just even spiritually if you consider the whole force and stuff what but what do what do you what would you guys like to see for this.
2: I'd love to see an Obi Wan that's just constantly on the run. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, could you imagine if Vader was trying to cross the galaxy to murder you? Mm hmm.
1: Well, that that this weekend I was hanging out with some friends and they brought that up that you know we Obi Wan at the end of Episode Three knew that Anakin went to the dark side, but at what like when we see them meet in when does he Episode he's Four. At what point did he already knew that that was Anakin? Like, what point did Obi Wan figure out that Darth Vader was Anakin? So it makes you wonder did they interact and run into each other again sometime in that time? Because yeah. I just can't so, imagine him being on Tatooine that entire time. Especially yes. if Vader comes after him, I would assume he would get as far away from Luke as possible. But that's just my thought.
0: Yeah, so I. There's an Obi Wan comic that Marvel's done since then that actually explores some of this. And by the way, I'm not a huge comic book fan, but I've been keeping track of the the Marvel run of Star Star Wars comics since Disney bought Marvel and and Star Wars. And they're really great. They're worth reading because one of one of the first uh, the first uh, uh, you know run of the actual Star Wars comic it ends with Darth Vader realizing who the guy who shot down the Dark, uh, the Death Star was, and it's a really really powerful moment because like he doesn't know he's got a it's his son in episode one and he knows when Empire Strikes Back already that he's his son so like where it shows him finding that out so it's kind of the same thing you just says like uh, I'm really interested during that time period because the the few panels of the comic I read were really interesting because it is it's more this mental thing of like him seeing all this injustice happening on Tatooine and wanting to intervene and do something and not being able to because he can't blow his cover because then Vader and the whole Empire is going to find him and Luke and it's all for nothing and really intriguing so i would love to see a movie about that Mm -hmm. i also would love to see a general kenobi movie because man the clone wars cartoon you know really made that whole time period interesting though i don't i don't think that's as likely to happen well
1: see i was thinking about that and what if we saw him on tatooine and we get him having ptsd and getting flashbacks of the clone wars and we're getting to see like different events happening in flashbacks and stuff how cool would that? No,
2: because I I am done with the Clone Wars. I'm ready to put that behind me. I don't need that shoved in my face.
1: Yeah, okay, I understand what you're talking about, hours. Tommy. But you haven't watched the Clone Wars cartoon,
2: which I've seen some which, of
1: it. Oh, okay, you've seen some, but like it, there. There's a lot of cool stuff, especially later on that would they could really make epic and like if they came at it and we got to see like kenobi dealing with all this and having kind of ptsd and having flashbacks of like really intense things from the clone wars i i think it could be interesting but i understand you wanting to get as further away from that as possible
0: yeah i do too i will say this though obi-wan movie i'm hyped it's gonna be great i'm i'm really i've got a lot of hopes for it because i love obi-wan
2: me too I will say, though, uh, if you are excited about that, I'm super bitter to announce that the the Defenders Marvel television show on Netflix is finally available for you to watch. And I'm going to beg and plead, don't watch it. Don't give them your money. Don't give them your time.
0: I love when we were dividing up news points. Tommy ended up with the one with the MCU tie-in. So
1: appropriate. So yes, <laughs> so appropriate. the Defenders is now available on Netflix. If you don't know what that is, uh, it's the MCU. There's, it's kind of like a no. Don't tell them if they
2: don't know what it is. They don't need to know. that don't <laughs> <to> go that <laughs> direction. But it's save yourselves, run. It's, it's-
0: well. Here's the thing: if you have Netflix, you know that this has existed because they had like a huge countdown, like as when you logged in, just counting down the other True, day. but so you. Like- like, not of
1: you have to at least you remember. might not know what just like okay so it's daredevil jessica jones luke cage and iron fist it's the four of them which they've all had their own shows that have been either gotten good reviews okay reviews or bad reviews and so this is them all coming together um there's only eight episodes which is nice because it makes it a little bit easier to get through um especially for tommy who doesn't like it though he's not gonna watch it but um it's been getting <laughs> nope. mixed reviews Um, I've read some positive ones I've read some negative ones Uh, I have some friends who are absolutely loving it based on the first few episodes I have some friends who haven't really cared for the first few episodes that they've seen I'll watch it eventually I just haven't had time to sit down and watch it so um, probably in a week or two when we come back for an episode I'll probably mention it in in our binge watching segment um, just to let you know what I thought about it but don't expect expect Tommy to to be sharing his thoughts on it
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do think Daredevil was good. I've seen some of the other ones, but Daredevil is the only one I've watched all the way through. And they they cemented in my heart me liking that television show during that first season, during Mm -hmm. the hallway fight scene. It's just one continuous shot, and it's just it's it's really great.
1: Mm, I agree
2: with that.
0: Tommy, do you know what I'm talking about? You have to. I've
2: actually i've 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 seen that shot.
0: Yeah, you could do that, right? Yeah. (laughs)
2: You've <laughs> seen it. No, no other comment on it. He's just. Seen I mean, I, I think it was overhyped by the time that no. I saw it. Like, it's not. I'm not saying it's not impressive. Like, it takes a lot of coordination. I mean, it's cool on the technical side of thing. I just still don't care about Daredevil. Okay.
1: Valid point. I, that. I my thoughts. Tommy hates the blind. I, oh, okay, that's what I got from that. My thoughts <laughs> on all that was: I enjoyed Daredevil a lot. Jessica Jones took me a while to get through, but when I finished it, I thought it was really good. Luke Cage was okay it just kind of got repetitive to me like his whole thing is he's bulletproof and you can only have a guy walking down a hallway getting hit with bullets so many times before I get bored and then Iron Fist was meh it wasn't as bad as everybody said but the thing that irritated me about Iron Fist is his character's supposed to be like the best kung fu master in the world and so I'm like man the fight scene's from daredevil were so good i can't wait to see what they do with iron fist and the fight scenes are so lame compared to like daredevil
0: yeah they're really lame compared to that's
1: that's the whole thought on that and that's our news for the day yeah so now it's time to jump into our topic of the day and our topic of the day is talking about a movie that has been out for about three or four weeks now so we're a little late to the party but we gave it time to simmer Tommy saw it sooner than me and Drew. I've seen it twice now, once in regular theaters and once in IMAX. And we are talking about the movie Dunkirk by Christopher Nolan. So this is our topic of the day. So, Dunkirk. A little bit of overview of what Dunkirk is. Dunkirk is, was, is based on a historic event during World War, World War II when... The German armies basically pushed the French and the English armies to the coast of France um to specifically a beach called Dunkirk and I'm sure it expanded more than just that one specific spot but that's where the focus comes in um and ba- so basically the story is the British Army and the French Army are s- literally stuck on the beach with the Germans all surrounding them, and they're just desperately trying to get home. And the German Army, you know, the English are bringing boats in, and the German Army are just kind of, like, shooting the boats and keeping them for going. So there's, like, I think at one point in the movie they said there's 400,000 men on the beach that they're trying to get home, and it's yep. just... A very interesting story, a very interesting story from history. I haven't got a chance to read up on the actual historic events, but Drew, you said that you know somebody who knows the story really well, right? Yeah, so my
0: father-in-law, actually, he, he went and saw it. He said he really enjoyed it, um, but he's a big history buff and has read a lot about Dunkirk and said he, he enjoyed it because it seemed like they were, it was pretty pretty true to the story. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting war movie story because... This isn't like a huge victory. Actually, this is probably one of the worst, like, military logistic disasters within history. Um, but, and, you know, it's not like a feel good story either. I mean, they were literally stuck on a beach, couldn't bring ships in, and were getting just bombed and shot. They're like fish in a barrel. Um, and I felt like felt like it was an interesting story to tell, because when you think war movies, you think Saving Private Ryan, you think, you know, Band of Brothers, you think these things that have these, like, intense, sad moments, but, the, you know, it's a happier story. This, is, this isn't, this is like, a huge battle. This is, like, them running for their lives from the Germans who are pushing in. And I think it's really interesting, too, and me and Matt were talking about a little bit about this, that, you know, I think it's interesting that this was during the part of the war when, germany was like unstoppable like they just could not stop them um and you can really get that sense in the movie that just this sense of dread and like you know w- like what's going to happen next i mean they're going to be invading england
1: next mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's an interesting historic take on a uh you know not not necessarily a typical world war Two movie we we tend to see things like saving private ryan or something where we're seeing big epic battles And we don't necessarily see that in Dunkirk. Um, But before we really get talking about the movie, I do want to touch on the director. The director is Christopher Nolan. He... Mm, yeah he's probably my favorite director I, I have a list I have a hard time picking like specific favorites of stuff but he's definitely my top three favorite directors so I was excited for this um he's known for other movies like the Dark Knight trilogy he did inception um yeah, did. interstellar um memento, memento? prestige uh, and the prestige, prestige and insomnia, then he did insomnia. The following I haven't seen the following that's like the one film I haven't seen but fantastic director one thing i love about nolan and this is just a great another example of this he to me he doesn't he doesn't stick to one genre he's done something different almost every year like he did Bat- like he did momento which was like this really interesting almost almost experimental film style and then he did batman begins and then he did, you know, The Prestige, which is the movie about, like, magicians and stuff. And then he did, you know, continued the Dark Knight stuff and did a movie about dreams and a movie about space. And now he's oh, doing man. a war movie. And I just think that's super interesting to me that a, a director, you know, is interested in multiple different things and is able to do different genres like this and do them well. Like, even movie, even his movies that aren't necessarily the best are still pretty good movies you know he hasn't to me he hasn't done anything bad and that's completely opinion but you know um but let's you know we we don't really have this divided up in spoiler or not spoiler um because we're just kind of going to casually talk about this so i'm going to go ahead and put a spoiler warning warning out there Um, just because, you know, we're going to talk about this and we are probably going to talk in detail about certain things. So if you haven't seen this, this might be a little harder for you to listen to, but definitely go see it and come back and listen. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about initial reactions for this, because I know the three of us have three very different, um, reactions to this movie and I'll go first. I love, like I said, I love Christopher Nolan. I really, really enjoyed this movie Um, more than I expected. I kind of went in with medium expectations and came out really enjoying it. Um, I went and saw it a second time, not because I wanted to see it a second time, because I thought it was so good, but because I saw it in a regular theater and Drew was gonna go see it in IMAX and I just thought I needed to see it in IMAX. And I can honestly say seeing it a second time, I enjoyed it even better, especially being in IMAX because The sound is what made a huge difference to me. So for me, I really, really enjoyed this movie.
2: I um, I didn't. I'll be like, there are parts that I liked. Uh, I actually did not necessarily care about seeing it in theaters or not. My wife is a was a history major, has her degree in history, um, loves history, and she was. She told me she's like, I'm going opening night with or without you. (laughs) I know that feeling. Yeah, So, I guess I'll go. Um, So, I guess, uh, you know, I I didn't go in expecting to be, you know, blown away, which is probably my own fault, and uh, I will say this, I do love Christopher Nolan, and I think this is the first time I haven't been excited going into the theater to see something of his, Um, and I think it was because early on, there was a side-by-side of the initial teaser that got released, Mm -hmm. and... um, and i can't remember what it was side by side with i've been trying to look it up and I, I i can't find it on the the internet anymore but and i think it was just clips from atonement or like an old trailer for atonement which came out in 07 and deals with you know um soldiers at dunkirk and uh i don't know it really put me off because it at f- my first interaction with nolan's dunkirk looked like a rip off yeah of someone else's portrayal of Dunkirk. Okay. I can
1: see um,
2: that and, uh, yeah. I mean I'll explain more why in the podcast why I didn't like it, but um you know, I it definitely it wasn't an awful movie. I I didn't hate it. I didn't, you know, go in and say I wish I hadn't been there. Um, but I probably won't go watch it again anytime soon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been curious because Tommy, you saw before any of us, and you initially said you didn't really care for it. You didn't say you hated that you hated it, but you did say that you just didn't care for it. And I have been itching to find out why since you have said that. So I'm really excited. To well, hear. today
2: on this <laughs> pod- on this
1: podcast, <laughs> I do also want to clarify. Tommy does like things for those people out there who consistently tell me. I do. That Tommy I like, like gummy bears,
2: gummy worms, Skittles, and my An wife. Alien, oh, and, and a, a, my a alien, alien series. And Alien. <laughs> yeah. And Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> just not MCU Spider-Man. Um. So my thoughts on Dunkirk. Um, I was the latest to the party. I just got to go see it yesterday as of recording this. And I had decided I wanted to go see it in IMAX after... Reading an article that was talking about, uh, it was filmed all in 70 millimeter, I believed, and Nolan was t- talking 65 about 65
2: like, and 70,
0: 65 and 70. But Nolan was talking about that like, IMAX is like the way he like intended it to be seen. Um, so I wanted to go see IMAX. I'm a big fan of IMAX um, movies. Um, I just think the audio in them are really great. And I w- I'll say this: I had very mixed feelings about this uh, movie. Like. There were parts I absolutely loved and there were parts that I just could not wrap my head around why they did what they did <laughs> and I was just there towards the last part of the movie, probably the last 30 minutes, I literally was just looking at my watch cuz I knew when it was going to wrap up. I'm like, what are what is what is happening? Like I just was not it did not enthrall me as much as I thought it did. Parts of it definitely did. Other parts did not. Um, so I, I I'm in the middle. Like I I walked into this film Matt saying he really loved it. I knew that Tommy didn't care for it, and uh, I was really intrigued. I, Nolan and is I probably did try not,
2: not to taint your views. Yeah. No, I you, want to point that out there. Yes. Unlike the defenders, I did not try to taint your viewing experience.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tommy was really good. He didn't say a word. That, that that's one of the reasons we're so excited to talk about this. But um, I uh, I'm a, Nolan is my favorite director. I think my favorite movie maybe of all time. Maybe inception like i love inception i think it's a great movie i kind of judge whether we're going to be friends or not whether you've seen inception and whether you thought it was boring (laughs) or you liked it um because usually if you think it's boring you're not very intelligent but that may just be bad on my part i could be wrong
2: that's a great barometer
0: um uh but anyway so i I had mixed feelings so it's interesting we had somebody didn't really care for it somebody really liked it and I'm, i'm midway through it Gotcha.
1: So here right we go. In three different opinions. So here we go. Let's dive into talking about details of it. Spoiler warning once again. Um, I wanted to start out as talking about the narrative structure of this and the time difference. So um, basically the way that... Like the clock ticking like... Yeah, that was that was intense. But like, okay, so we... This entire movie takes place from three different perspectives. The people that are on the beach, the citizens who are on the boats that are coming to the rescue that the navy basically acquisition they just random boats that normal people had and then uh, a pilot and well a couple pilots but uh basically pilots in the sky and so we the entire movie we're seeing these three perspectives over and over again um in the very first opening of the movie when we're introduced to these scenes we're told like it's given a name. Like uh, all I remember is the beach was called the Mole, which is what they called the beach. I don't remember what the other two were. Um, but the first one, the beach says one week, the boat says one day, and then the stuff in the plane says one hour. And what it actually represents is through the, the entire movie, everything you see from those perspectives, that's how long it takes. So everything we see on the beach from the beginning of the movie to the end, all take place in a week. Everything we see from the boat perspective, everything, all took place in one day and everything we see from the plane's perspective all takes place in just an hour and so the way the movie's put together is we're seeing all these things happening but they're happening at completely different times and at some point in the middle of the movie um some sooner than others people it kind of clicks for people if you didn't kind of go in knowing that this was a thing so i'm curious for us like when was the moment that it clicked and you figured it out like for, I know some people that figured it out from the very beginning they were like yeah obviously they told us at the very beginning that's what it was and it just made sense to them but for me the moment that it clicked was I was I was figuring something was a little off but like the first time the, the planes we see three planes fly past a boat and it's one of the first shots we see I remember thinking that looked a lot like the boat we just saw in the harbor and then a few like 20 15 minutes later we get to see the um boat like them in the boat and we see this the three planes fly by and it was the same shot but from their perspective and that's when it clicked and i was like ah i see what's going on this makes sense and so what was the point that it that it clicked for y'all that the story wasn't just as simple linear start to beginning to end
2: i mean it was pretty evident right you know from the beginning that uh it's not a linear timeline um, and this may be due to my engagement, and, you know, we had no expectations of, of anything going into this. It actually took me a little bit to wrap my brain around the, uh, why the timeline was what it was. And it actually took, yeah. you know, a day or two of mulling over it to really let it sink in. Um, because visually, to me, I think he did a better job in Memento fracturing time and letting time run backwards, yeah. this felt really disconjointed to me personally as a viewer um I and a just was, on
0: that like it was cheer very jarring
2: um uh, well, Rebecca had an interesting thought, and she's the one that kind of brought it to light for uh, for me um and I'll just share this real quick drew and love to hear what your thought is but uh she said it was relative to the speed of um you know the the subject of focus. Men on the beach can't move very fast. Yeah. You know a boat moves moderately fast, especially in comparison. And then you have the planes, which move extremely fast. Which that's you know, in in hindsight, probably an oversimplification of things. But it was kind of an interesting way to put his timeline into perspective and why um, why why a week, why a day, why an hour.
0: Yeah. I, um, so w- when we pulled into the theater parking lot, Matt asked me if I knew anything about the film and I I went in blind kind of like you, even though this has been out multiple weeks, I knew nothing about this besides it was a war movie about Dunkirk and people die <laughs> because of the trailers. Um, and it wasn't really happy. Um, so Matt just mentioned that there's something that happens early on that if you catch, you'll, you'll, it, you'll understand if not midway through the film, you're gonna be really confused. I kind of called it and kind of didn't catch it. Like it told me those things and I thought about that. But as the first third of the movie played on, the editing was really deceptive um, that it made it not feel like they were disjointed, it made it feel like it was all happening at the same time. Um, and the moment I realized it probably was uh, the moment I knew that like, okay, this is different time moving was when we see the guy who they picked up on the boat and he's like, you know the what whoever the scarecrow is from, from uh, the dark or Batman Begins. Like I can't remember the actor's name, but he's like scared to death on the boat, and he's been picked up from the boat and then uh, Murphy. By yeah, the way, Sorry. yeah, thank you. And then immediately it goes back to him in a rowboat, and I'm like, okay, time's moving differently. Um, and the reason we, you know, I Nolan's films to me, most of them, you really like have to there. There's some depth to them, and you have to almost think about it or see it more than once, but. What I told Matt afterwards is I, I didn't care for it, like, in the movie. Like, I didn't like this narrative style. Uh, but I've actually started to come appreciate it a little bit more, because here's here's my thought on why he may have done this this way, is that the way it was edited and the way that the it the was laid out is I never really knew what was going on. Like, I felt kind of anxious, and, like, the whole movie kind of was, like, a little stressful and anxious Um, And on the other end of it is I never really knew what was going on. Like, I never knew what was happening in the air. I never knew what was happening on the boats. I never knew what happened was on the beach. I never really knew what happened. But what I think that may have been the intention behind that is maybe that was intentional because that's the movie. Like, this was a story where no one knew what was going on at all time. It makes you almost understand what all these characters feel like i mean whether you're a pilot in the air flying not knowing what you're about to come uh, come up on you're not knowing how much fuel you have uh if you're just a civilian on a boat heading out and you're seeing all this stuff happening you're not sure or especially the main character i guess you could say the guy that we introduced right off the bat like he is so unsure about everything and and doesn't know what's happening and not sure what's real and what's not real and what's happening and what's not happening. And so discombobulated that maybe that was the intention of the narrative style is that it kind of reinforces the way that these soldiers felt at this part of the war when they didn't really know what they were going to do.
1: Yeah. Me and Drew got talking about that and he brought that up and I, I really like the thought of that Um, because the whole narrative structure the way I kind of realized and somebody I kind of read something about it was, you know, I like what Rebecca said about it being relative to how the speed of them, but it yeah. was also described to me and I read where it reflected exactly what they were experiencing. The guys in history were on the beach about a full week. The people on the boats would normally go out for just a full day and pilots only were up in the air for about an hour. So it's supposed to also reflect what it was the time like was like for them in that experience in real life and i thought that was real interesting i do agree with drew that the second time seeing it the editing is a little deceptive um which may be to just make it easier to watch if you haven't figured it out um because if it wasn't that deceptive it may be more of a mess you know but because like the one shot i really noticed was um when the boats first are cut like the the civilian boats are coming up on dunkirk and everybody's getting excited and it keeps cutting back to mr dawson and his boat but they're not to the beach yet they're a little bit further out basically trying to rescue the guys from the the ship that just sunk but the way it's cut is you just keep it keeps cutting to his face and looks like he's a part of that that group coming in there but if you knew what's going on, you realize that's not what's happening right there. But I think thinking back on it, I think that's because if it wasn't edited that way and you hadn't figured out the timeline thing yet, it would be even more confusing and harder to watch, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I also really like the concept of what Drew said that... The entire time you can follow it, but the entire time it is a little stressful because you're not entirely sure what's going on. And and I like the idea of it trying to give that feeling um, that they were experiencing to you. So I like that. I thought it was um, interesting. It was it was very interesting to see it a second time, knowing fully how the structure went, you know, also seeing it in IMAX a second time made the audio a billion times better. Like when the planes come down the first time and bomb is so loud in imax and terrifying and the first bullets that go off in the very opening scene like made us jump because it sounded like real bullets like flying past our heads and i think that was just really cool to hear it and experience in imax so
2: i think the ace combat has to be the at my absolute favorite thing about dunkirk Mm -hmm. Uh, i i love I, i agree loved everything about it honestly i could watch i could have watched a two-hour movie of just Mm. that
0: yeah i agree with that it was really well done i think that was my favorite part as well like i even though poor tom hardy they just keep covering up his face (laughs) um i mean i was thinking about that but when i got to the end of the movie i'm like how much money did this cat get paid for just to sit in a plane and look real intense um but man let me tell you like i thought I, my out of the three stories my favorite by far is the air one i just i think it's really great um and then probably the boat and then probably the the, the mm-hmm. on the beach but man i'm with you that the it looked gorgeous and i i don't even know how they filmed half of that i'd love to know how but it was just
1: beautiful and so awesome I I'm the same, I agree with y'all. The the air combat and everything with Tom Hardy and the three pilots was definitely the probably the best part of that movie. It was done well, it was exciting, it was always every every aspect of that part of the movie was nerve-wracking from the point when um Tom Hardy's trying to shoot down the plane to save his friend and to the point where he gets shot but doesn't take any damage to to even like the guy crashing in the water like it's so intense so but i i'm with drew like my that i i agree with y'all my favorite part was that but i really really enjoyed the the boat stuff with uh, mr dawson and his son and the other kid and i I, just, I will
2: say mm-hmm. i i agree with you sorry go ahead no i, I was just being well.
1: like the as the 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 air combat was exciting and i was always looking forward to coming back to that but when it came to story and and character like i didn't really get i didn't really care for what was going on at the beach and i'll get to that when we talk about negatives but like i just was so interested in mr dawson and his son and then the other kid and just the the the, his just personality and his like morals and just the the idea that if they're going to do this, I'm doing this because this is my boat. And we're, if we're, if we're going to put ourselves in danger, our stuff in danger, I'm going to go get our sons. And one of my favorite lines from, from the movie was when he talks about, uh, when they pick up, uh, the act, the guy off the boat and he says, you know, you're an old, you're an old man or whatnot. And he goes, old men dictated this world. Why should we send our sons off to die? And I was just like, Oh like, that gave me chills when he said that. And, and, and so, like, them going and trying to get their men back, like, I just, I was really excited to see whenever we went back to their perspective of what was going to happen with them.
2: I agree. And I loved, I honestly, I loved the character George. And I think he was really, uh, the, the ones on the boat were really the only ones that we made a... Connection. Uh, an emotional connection with. And I think that's where I have a problem with this film is um, Harry Styles' character i don't give a crap about at all like there's nothing that they really do in my opinion to make me care and even still um the ace combat pilots tom hardy and uh jack loden and and all them um like that their scene is really fun it's really awesome to watch but we have no emotional connection to them other than the fact that, oh man, they're getting shot at. and like You know, like you yeah. have the, the sympathy effect, but there's no personal connection. And the only time that that is made is with the three individuals on the boat. Um, and it actually pissed me off, spoiler alert here, that Nolan killed off George. Like, the one character you care about just dies in the dumbest way possible. Not really dumb, but like... For a war movie, he didn't go out and battle. Yeah, no. I kind of... I kind of... We kind of segue into
1: negatives with that. I didn't... I like... I was... I like the character George as, you know, a kid who just wanted to help and whatnot. I thought the... I thought the... What happened with him was kind of dumb and weird. And the only thing that I enjoyed about that situation was the, the other son, um being uh when when it happens and the guy feels real guilty about it and is asking about him and he's real angry about it but when he ends up dying and the di- the guy asks him how's the kid and he just has this look on his face and he you can realize that he's thinking about this guy all the stuff that he's been through and he's just like yeah he's fine don't worry about it and he and then he looks at his dad and and the guy who plays mr dawson uh mark rylance just like gives the nod of like that was the right thing to do like that was very like it's so sad and it made me really sad but like it just I got it it it, it clicked for me and I was like I get that and I think that, that that was the right thing to do in that situation and so that was the only rewarding part to me about that I thought it was kind of weirdly thrown in there um, but you know I, I, I am I kind of agree with you guys like
0: I the, the thing that I, I walked away from this movie I can't tell you a single character's name like I, I even what was Mr. Is it Mr. Mr. Dawson? Dawson. Like I mean him and then uh, whoever the the basically the the commander guy was. I mean those are the only two that really felt like they had any meaningful dialogue in the entire movie. Um, and the more I thought about that, the more like it bugs me about it. But again, I, I almost wonder if it's it's just thematic like. I thought what i really liked about mr dawson i I guess is his name is that he kind of showed like the 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 good side of humanity and you know war is this interesting thing that we see we see humanity for what it is good and bad it seems like that's the the well the fascinating thing about war and war stories that we see we see that the the most horrible terrible things that Humanity can do, and at the same time, we see these this beautiful things that humanity can do. And uh, I, I guess Dunkirk, to me at least, kind of sits in that in that middle of those two because you've got this story about, I mean, war, which sucks, and people are dying. I remember the moment where they talked about well, the tides coming back in, and they're like, "Well, how how do you know the tides coming back in?" It's like, "Well, the bodies come back," and like, how how horrifying that had to be, like how, how, how terrible that had to be. And just to be on a beach and having people bomb and shoot you. And like, you're like fish. That one shot that was, was really good to me was when the bombers are coming in and they're on this bridge dock thing, like hundreds of them and they just duck. And I mean, what are they going to do? One bomb and they're like dozens and dozens and dozens of them are dead. Um, And like, but then you also have on the other end of this story, you have, a bunch of civilians that didn't have to who got in their own boats and came to save their boys because that's what we needed to do and it's just so interesting to me that you've got these two these two points of tension, and this story really highlights both of them really well um, so I, I wonder again like if some of the reason we don't see as many character names we don't see know who these people are they weren't developed as much as again in war, everyone's a nobody more or less as sad as that sounds like you know at the very beginning of the film we see a, a guy burying a body just in a dune like we have no clue who that person was we see all these dead bodies every. we have no clue who any of them are and how hor- horrible that is because each one of those is a person but at the same time you also have these people who I don't know it's just interesting to me
2: well I mean and, and I won't get political here but that's something that I've heard my father even say recently too that the military strips individuality mm. and that, it's in, that is a its entire purpose because uh, individuality has to be defeated to be an effective unit. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a that's a valid way to look at this is this is an expression of I mean, how many people did we say was on that beach? It's it 400,000.
0: 400,
2: 400,000? We can't know all their names. We can't yeah. know all their backstories. They can't know, you know 400,000 people standing shoulder to shoulder aren't going to know all 400,000 people. It's yeah. not going to happen. So I think that's a valid point to say that the amount of people and just the physical reality of these scenarios is a way to keep, you know, uh, is a fair representation on our part or to us, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think that does maybe justify the that whole not really knowing especially the people on the beach because we do get to know the civilians on the boat more than the people we see on the beach who we spend uh, just as much time with um that was my biggest negative but that right there kind of makes makes me wonder if that was done on purpose with that because i still cheered for for the characters the guys on the beach like the like because you get attached and you don't know them so you don't get super attached to them but at the same time you're wanting them to make it through because you're seeing them and seeing what they're going through yeah. and their desperation to survive um so I yeah that, that was my only negative but that makes me feel a little yeah. bit better can, about can,
0: I, that. can I point out the one thing that bugged me the most out of the film and this is something really petty is it the end yes it's the very end okay it. so <laughs> here's how this film ends you know they're on a train they've made it home it ends not brilliant. everyone not everyone's made it home and you know there's some really cool stuff that happens in there. Like one point, one of the soldiers, like we, like everyone's so happy to see him home, and one of the soldiers is like, well, "What? We didn't do anything." And one of the old man says, "Surviving. We just survived." And he says, "Surviving. Surviving is good enough." I thought that was a really cool line. But then, and then, and then the way the the film wraps up is you've got, you know, one of the main characters reading, you know, Churchill's article in the paper about Dunkirk and how it was a disaster by all means. Yet there was a victory within it that the fact that, you know, civilians got on ship and went and saved their boys and they got, I mean, really in, in a lot of ways it's, it's miraculous that they were able to get that many people home the way they did. Um, but what really bugged me is like he, he ends and you think it would just end there, but there's this just awkward, like silence and just like this weird stare at the screen and like a paper crumple. And then that's how it ends. like, not on the end of the speech, kind of wrapping it up. To me, it just bugged me so much. It was just this really awkward, like, why did he pick to do that kind of thing? I don't know if that stood out to you guys, but that stood out to me, and it really bugged me.
1: It did stand out to me, and it didn't bug me as much as it bugged you. But it makes me want to look up and figure out because no, I know, like, Nolan wouldn't. There's some reason of that, and I want to know what the yeah. thought behind that is. Um, and it could have been just the the blank look of a soldier returning from war because he just read this whole thing and it's just kind of like no yeah okay so yeah and yeah. then it ends because it could have ended extremely epically with tom hardy's plane on fire and him getting you know taken by the german soldiers and just like ended with that but then it cuts to the soldier just kind of looking blankly and then putting the paper down and it ends there
0: yeah yeah side note i i'm real impressed that he was able to shoot down that one plane with no gas in the tank when he struggled so much to shoot down all the other planes with a full tank of gas.
2: Yeah. I I keep meaning to ask my father who who finally watched it last week, the logistics of that, because there was some extra maneuvers in there that I felt like, yeah, like there was some long gliding. But I'll say that's a that heavy really plane. Occurred. for that thing.
0: Just be like, he's just like doop-a-doo, just fly over the beach for 20 minutes.
2: And then turn around and fly the other way and, and shoot the, the guy down height. and then yeah. keep going. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. They are built to fly and stay in the air. And I know that beaches present drafts. I
1: was about to say, and the beach could have kept But I can't remember if
2: beaches have updrafts or downdraft. Like, I can't remember the, you know, I'm not a pilot. I don't, it's not my thing.
1: I'm going to say updraft because it supports it.
2: Yeah, but I don't
1: know. I just
0: I just genuinely <laughs> felt like that was the end of his story at that point. Like, when he ran out of gas and was just gliding to the beach, I'm like, alright, he's dead. And yeah, then, that was my oh, thought, man. too. And which would, have been, to be which would have been fine with everything else in the story. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, it would have fit fine. And then you have this, then you have the commander, he's just walking on the ground. Hey, how are you? You from so-and-so? Nice to see you. Uh, and then you hear like, this plane coming in, and I'm like, oh, holy crap, this is not gonna end well. And then out of the blue, plane that's you don't. That was the weirdest clip when he was flying over the beach and it was just silent. Yeah,
1: it was silent. That was eerie. I dig it though because I, was I just loved thinking, that. Oh, gosh, that's yeah, crazy. And I just uh, thought it was the funniest thing whenever he shoots down the bomber and then it just goes, and it just cuts off and he just looks like, well, well, I guess I'm landing. And them just looking man. up and seeing this plane fly by with no propeller going. I would. Like,
0: oh. I would love to know your dad's thoughts on that, Tommy. Um since he yeah. has been in the military and flies and stuff um
2: i mean i know he loved we'll get, the film we'll get tommy's
1: report back next week
2: yeah yeah i'll uh i'll see if i can talk during uh i, I can't the promise man. anything yeah.
1: let me ask it's, you how epic how epic was that ending though with him like i know it, i know it's a little bit you know you, you gotta suspend your disbelief a little bit more for this movie that was pretty grounded in reality but like it was pretty satisfying that he did all that. And then you think he's out of the picture and just going to go off frame. And you know, even for a group of ex
2: British people like us Americans, that was a pretty, pretty good ending. Oh
1: Oh, It
0: was. It It was. was. Um, I, um, Mm -hmm. I, another thing I liked about the film, and this is just British. I'm assuming being British. I've only met a handful of British people in my lifetime, but I just, it was, it was just so funny to me that they had tea (laughs) <laughs>
1: Always. The boat. Like, they're they on the so boat tea. going
0: back, and they've got tea. They're in a destroyer. They've got tea. I mean, they've got it everywhere. And again, yeah, but you,
1: you but know. you got to think, if it was us, like, if this was a situation that happened right now, and, like, boats, like, normal civilian boats had to go out there, and you knew you were going to rescue soldiers, you know we would have coffee. That would be the only, like, yeah, we would have coffee. No, I'm with you. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, it still made
0: me chuckle, especially that last shot of the boat like coming into port and like you got dad back there with like a <laughs> kettle just pouring tea. And I'm just I like it, and at the same time, it was just it was mm-hmm.
1: just British. I thought one thing that I heard somebody mention and I agree and I thought this was done well, and one thing I really liked about the movie was um it wasn't a gory blood crazy limbs flying off war movie it was but it it captured the somebody told me that it captures the just terror of war like you don't you don't even have to see the gore or blood or people like dying like but the movie makes you terrified for what they're going through and and experience the like the points the points when they're on and and i i get it because like the, the bridge out to the boats was packed with people and all I could think was that's not where I would be because when they come you can't go anywhere but at the same time that's where they were because that was the only hope of getting out was be on this bridge where you're a sitting target and get a chance to leave or be on the beach yeah. where you might be able to move around but you're not probably getting out of here anytime soon and that's just so interesting to me that like Drew said that when the bombers came by literally you ducked and that's all you could do
0: well, and let me tell you, I know we've talked about this, but the the audio in IMAX. I didn't see it in regular. That first shot and that first scene, and then the first time bombs hit the beach and this like explosion, explosion, explosion. And the last explosion, it's right before uh, that kind of main character we're introduced to at the beginning. Like man, like I, my heart was pounding. Like this movie almost felt more like a thr- like a a thriller but like a uh, suspense it's just uh you know it just had so much suspense of what's about to happen
2: I think the one experience I miss not seeing it in IMAX is the audio uh last time I saw something in IMAX was actually when I was over in Dubai a couple months ago and that was the best like visual and audio like audio experience yeah. that I've ever had at a theater and coming back to our little crappy small town theater, that's—I don't even think it's trying its darndest. Is uh, it just doesn't live up to it. And it's it's—I don't know. I, there's times where I'm like, ah, the the home theater system I built at my house, you know, is is just as good on a personal level. But
0: man, I'm telling you, dude, there's just something about seeing something in IMAX that's
1: just uh, and i can vouch i saw it in regular and imax and these kind of movies like and i don't think i usually go see nolan movies because he's such a such a pro with shooting in imax but like these kind of movies there's just there's just some kind of different experience and like if i can spend the extra money to get that just audio quality like i mean the video quality is superb too but like the audio in those kind of theaters are just top notch and in these kind of movies um, just like, I mean, I remember Interstellar, like, going to see an IMAX, and, like, Ooh. when the ships were, sh- the rockets were taking off, like, the base was shaking the building, and you felt like you were sitting there in the pass, in, like, the rocket with them, and just, it, it's, it makes it way more immersive, and I think that's worth, you know, however much m- more money it costs, so
2: you know what's what's interesting about that too and if uh i hope my memory is serving me correctly here and i I know he did this for interstellar and i don't know if he did this for dunkirk or not um one of the differences in imax obviously on the video like the visual side is um the physical size and format of what is projected and what you know the recording medium but there's actually an Audio difference too. Um, instead of just being like you know, like five point one, I think IMAX is traditionally like a fourteen point two or something like that. It's it's a huge yeah. number, um, but for Interstellar, he did stereo. Hmm. He didn't even do surround. Um, and so I wonder if he did the same for Dunkirk or not, because I find it really interesting that he seems to be fully invested in the visual medium of IMAX. Yeah, he,
0: he does more than,
2: Oh yeah. And I'm not saying his, you know, the, the audio work is by any means bad. I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm not going there. Um, but I find it interesting that I feel like he could almost take it a step further. Mm -hmm. I just find it weird that he embraces the video side, but leaves the audio side. Kinda.
0: Yeah, I could see that, um,
2: you know, where, where it is at 35 millimeter or digital or, you know, anything else. Um, he just doesn't explore it like I think he he could, or maybe maybe should, yeah. or maybe not. If it works for him, like why why change it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, before we wrap wrap up, uh, one thing I did not m- mention that I really wanted to was I really thought the opening scene to Dunkirk was really great. Um, I
2: hated it. I'm sorry. I will tell you why, but I hated it. Can
0: I tell you why I liked it first, and then you can. Um, yes, absolutely. and, and, and uh, I can understand why this can go both ways because Dunkirk as a film is very, has very little like talking in it. Like there are very few lines in the entire movie, uh, which I again, I, I don't necessarily like, but I also understand maybe why that choice was made. But I thought that you have this squad in the city and I would have liked to see more stuff in the city maybe and you've got these pamphlets coming down, and one of the soldiers grabs a pamphlet, and he looks at it, and it's it's this, we have you surrounded, you're going to die, the little picture of Dunkirk, and like they're surrounded on all sides. And I just thought what I liked about it was the shot I really liked at the beginning, and, and just within the first few seconds, it established almost everything I needed to know about what was happening without saying a word. And for a movie that was not very narratively, like, like, Narratively driven as far as speaking goes, I thought it was really cool, interesting way to give out information without actually saying anything. And then the first shot happens, and man, like my heart jumped when that happened. And uh, that 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 for me really was probably one of my favorite points of the movie was that just opening 30 seconds or whatever it was.
2: All right, so I will. And, and I'll amend my statement a little bit too because I love the propaganda. We all know Hitler, Goebbels, uh, everyone in his cabinet were masterminds at propaganda, and we know that history tells us this literally happened. That they actually dropped pamphlets that said "you're surrounded," and yeah. you know it's uh, it's a great scare tactic. It's a great way to really shake um, a person, an individual's heart, and and kind of take hope away from them. Yeah, um, but there's two things that i didn't like one i really didn't like the cut back and forth from the action to the quote Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, i understand that i didn't care for that either because it was like one line of the quote came in action one line i've completely forgot about that until you just said that but it was it
1: it was weird to me too
2: yeah, like I, I don't I think
1: I didn't really notice that, so I don't think it bothered me. But yeah, I must not teach have, his own, continue. you know.
2: Um, and the other thing is, I you know, I already mentioned that I felt like the trailer I I, I didn't see anything new. That I this is already something that I felt was almost being I want to say copied, I'm not going to go that far, but um, just I, I've seen this presentation before, and that opening sequence minus the propaganda is actually a sequence that I've already seen before in another movie. Yeah,
1: okay. Oh. Huh.
2: And so for me, going in already, idea. yeah, it just kind of drove that home to me a little bit more, and it kind of was just like one of these, okay, like, I guess if I have never seen this other film yeah. that, uh, and I don't feel like naming it right now, um, but if I had never seen this other film, I I don't think I would have had that impression going into this. Well, you know, I mean, I'm going to name it Grave of the Fireflies. Okay. If anyone has seen that anime. Wait,
1: that's an anime, right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. it's a Studio Ghibli film yeah. and there's a moment where the it, main I character really Yeah, and it, I mean it's not a shot for shot verbatim and obviously there's a difference between live action and animation, but you know, there's a there's a moment where the main character who is a messenger is running with other messenger boys. And are coming under fire and are having to jump, you know, fences and logs and things. And so to me, it just, it wasn't a new moment. It was something I'd already felt. And so, yeah, you know, as Drew said, it was just driving home to me that this wasn't new.
0: Yeah, I will say that now that you say that, Tommy, it does bug me because I thought part of the reason I really liked that opening section before they go to that first black screen, because I feel like maybe it starts on a black screen saying like, so, so many men are stuck at the sea at dunkirk and then the opening shot but whatever it was like i almost wish they wouldn't have done that because again like i said i learned almost everything i needed to know through just that shot of seeing the pamphlet and now i remember that more and i almost wish they wouldn't have, he wouldn't have put that in there as well but anyway i there. thought it was
1: i thought it was interesting i didn't notice until the second time seeing it that the soldiers that were guarding which th- they mentioned it's the french but i didn't realize that they were french soldiers until the second time going through i the first i time didn't I,
2: catch that actually the first
1: time i thought they were uh, british soldiers but noticing it the second time through and i mean we're told throughout the movie that the french are pretty much holding the borders there's only a few british men that are are, are in the city fighting um but like the only and the only way you can tell unless you can catch french easily is the helmets are different and the second time seeing it i realized i said oh these are french soldiers so when they shoot and he's yelling i'm british i'm british and then they let him through when he gets up to there yeah he gets up to there uh, you can see they've okay. got the helm, the the what the french helmets look like which had like the spine and, and more designs on their helmets while the british helmets were all just held like a helmet there was nothing to them and so i thought that was interesting that we saw more of the french literally uh-huh. defending the lines and defending the british really so but yeah i
0: i kind of want to see it again just cuz what you said Matt like and nolan films are like this let me point that out like i've noticed that in nolan films that i get more out of it after i've seen it for a second time and i'll i'll say yeah, this for for everything i liked and didn't like about dunkirk it has been on my mind like in the back of my head i've been doing yard work like all day this morning and like i was thinking about dunkirk and, and dissecting it cuz there's some there's some intentionality there knowing nolan and I like that, but I'm, just, I'm still trying to dissect some of it. So I'd like to see it again, maybe just to see it. I'll probably wait till it comes out to do it. I don't think I'll go see it in theaters again.
1: No, I can, I can vouch for Drew on that because Drew said, when we were going to see the movie, he said, well, you must have really liked it if you're going to see it again. And I told him in the car before we got there, I said, I really liked it, but I honestly don't know if I'd be going to see it a second time if it wasn't for IMAX. But once I got in there and saw it, I enjoyed it so much more the second time than I expected. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that if I'd seen it in IMAX the first time and Drew was just going to see it and I, I had something else to do, I don't know if I would have gone seen it. Because the reason I went a second time was to see it in IMAX. But seeing it a second time, knowing yeah. it, and being able to pay more attention to those things made me enjoy it even better the second time. Like, I came out of it going, man, I'm really, really glad I came and saw it a second time, so...
2: Yeah, when you guys texted me, I really wanted to go for that reason. I wanted to see it in IMAX yeah. and get that experience again. I'm um, sad that it didn't work out because even as much as I have you know, to complain about Dunkirk, I do love a lot of Christopher Nolan's films, and I love what he does visually, and I love how he uses the elements. I think that this is the first film where he made the classic young filmmaker's mistake of letting being too in, enticed by uh, technical abilities and just... Um, you know letting exposition fall to the wayside you know I would have loved to have experienced an IMAX but I can't say that I'm just going to go drive a couple hours by myself to go see it and I'd, I'd have to go with some friends who hadn't seen it before or something
1: mm-hmm. well n- uh, now that we've talked about it does anybody have any final thoughts before we give it our rating alright if not like all our movies that we've rated, which is only one, but we have a rating of, do, was it dope or nope? It's a simple, did you love it or did you you know not care for it? So um, I'll go first. Um, I think it's pretty clear that I really, really enjoyed it. And even the negatives that I had kind of made me feel better about it after us discussing it. So I'm going to give it a dope. I really liked it. Um, I don't think it's Nolan's best film ever, but like, I enjoyed it so much more the second time than I ever thought I would. So, I, it almost makes me wish, Tommy, that if you want to see it again, I think I'd go see it a third time just to, to be with you to see it for your second time. But I'd go just so yeah, to hang out with you, Tommy. That too.
2: Oh so, god. I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a nope, but I'm going to say this. Our discussion today made it really difficult for me not to give it a dope because I think right now I'm sitting more on the in-between. However, um I'll have to say dope because I still stand by the fact that there's a lot of things, there's a lot of faults that I find with it, and as a story, I'm still angry at the lack of exposition. Um, so I'm gonna go with dope. But wait, you are gonna go with dope? You're going dope you're going Sorry, dope? I'm going nope. Okay, Sorry, I <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh yes, we convinced him. But that I'm gonna I'm
1: call it dope. Nope, that, that does make me nope, feel, feel better that that you. You know, said you didn't like it, but then now after talking about it, that makes me feel a little better that we kind of, you know, just discussing it has made you think about it a little more, which is exciting. So, yeah. All right, so
0: I'm gonna, in the spirit of Tommy, cheat, and I'm gonna say it's Ope. <laughs> no, you can't do I don't, that I, no, I'm <laughs> no. doing it. I'm doing it. I, listen, <laughs> no, listen, You're I'm going Ope of the rating system, I system that I came it, up with. No. <laughs> well defeated I shall because I am squarely in the middle there are things I love about this movie and there are things that really frustrate me about this movie it is my least favorite Nolan film um, and he's probably my favorite director um, but at the same time I can't say I can't say nope because I, like, I would probably go see it tomorrow again if you guys want to go see it because I'm, just, I'm intrigued by it so intrigued by it so I can't give it a, uh, a dope but I can't give it a nope so I'm just going to give it an ope
1: all right, I'm, know, I'm gonna I, make you give it at least. If you have to pick, you can go with Ope. I'll give that to you. But if
2: you have to pick one, pick one.
0: Well, if you're giving it to me, no, then just, I'm just, just gonna just leave
2: it. <laughs> Killing these I think he, he, I've got one final thought that you know I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on real quick because you both have said that Christopher Nolan is your favorite director, and I think one thing is that a lot of the people um really seem to love Nolan and I think people are almost afraid to say that Nolan I won't say failed but let's go that far I think people are afraid to say that Christopher Nolan has made a poor movie and I'm very curious to see how his next few films go because outside of Interstellar they've kind of been waning for me uh since The Dark Knight you know Dark Knight Rises was kind of meh I mean Inception was good Interstellar was great but I mean i don't know like I, it doesn't have the stronghold but i feel like there's this cult following almost like what apple has yeah that you know there are people who will always buy apple because it says apple on the side and not because you know yeah. whatever and they'll always pay that price and so i wonder if nolan has his own cult following yeah look i love ridley scott and ridley scott has made some horrible 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 <laughs> horrible, horrible horrible movies the counselor
0: yeah we robin hood we actually had a similar conversation come back from the theater about this, about is Nolan, because I, I, I kind of feel similarly. Like, I liked The Dark Knight. I think that's probably one of his best films. Inception is probably my favorite. I just love Inception. Uh, The Dark Knight Rises was not my favorite. Um, Or is it, I don't know what the name of that film is now. Is it The Dark Knight Rises? No, it's Yeah,
2: Dark Knight no. Rises.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry, i think for a second but I interstellar as much as I loved it if I didn't love space I don't think I would have loved it as much like i agreed like like, I loved it but it's because I love NASA and I love I love space like that's why I love that movie more more than I've got poster on my wall next to me but I love it more because it's a space movie about space than I do that it's a Nolan film um but I don't know I all right, so I, I'm gonna lean towards I'm gonna lean towards dope yes because <laughs> yeah. and, and the reason I say it is because of the whole thing I was telling you as much as the narrative structure frustrated me like I just said earlier in the episode I think it was intentional and the more I think about it, I like that it was done that way because it made me feel like I had no clue what was going on and it made me kind of put me in the boots of all these people on the brink of war when they thought Germany was going to win, when they were convinced that any day now Germany was going to invade England and then the rest of the world, like... I I can I could empathize with those guys because of that, and I think that's what I liked about it. so that's going to lean me over to Dope, but it's it's barely there, okay? It's very much an Ope. I, I stand by it.
1: As, 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 as long as you pick one or the other. Okay, cool. I, Tommy, in closing, I, I can see where you're coming from, and I can't say that I'm an example of that Um, because I'll be the first to admit when something's bad, and I mean, I'm the first to admit that I don't think this is his best work, but I still really, really enjoyed it, so that's where we stand on it
2: and i don't want it to sound like i'm harsh no, on got nolan because i know i sound like the negative ned every time we're on this podcast i am a guy who sees things as the glass like half empty if you want to go there i'm on fire very much down stairs. you know yeah, yeah you know <laughs> um but I, I like to be realistic and I like to look at things from all sides and it takes a lot for me to really be engaged, it takes a lot for me to be able to not see the practicalities of movies and T V shows and actually be immersed and character development is really the only way that I can connect with a film and not sit there and go, Oh, I know how they did that. I wonder how they did that. Hmm, how's this lighting? I bet the, the light, like the key lights over here and the fill lights here. What like it just takes a lot for me to get into it. So all those who you know uh see me as such a negative ned and that i don't like things it's because it takes a little bit more for me to get into something
1: Mm -hmm. i get that
2: well cool rant over
1: rant over there we go that's a rating that's our thought on christopher nolan's dunkirk and that's our episode uh tommy would you like to tell everybody where they can find us
2: Hey guys, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can visit us at Podbeam or our website, The Valkyrie Cast. And as most of you, I imagine, are on iOS, Apple devices, you can certainly find us on iTunes and through the Apple Podcast app. We are The Valkyrie Cast.